Jesus, we pray that you would fill this place, you would fill our hearts, that you speak to us now, and we pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to welcome all the kids to worship this morning. Do we have any kids out there today? All right. All right. Now, how about some grown-up kids? Any grown-up kids out there? All right. I'm with you. I feel you. I feel you, man. Uh, as many of you know, I am a California transplant. Yeah, all right. We just keep that going all message long. So I moved to Seattle about 25 years ago to take an associate pastor position in a different church. And someone from that church had invited my wife and I to live with them until we rented a home and were able to move in. So in mid-September, we packed up all of our stuff, and I drove from Southern California up to uh, Lake Stevens. Now my wife, Kristen, and our oldest daughter, who was one year old at the, one years old at the time, Uh, They stayed back with family, and then they were going to fly up the 1st of October. Well, those first two weeks in September were absolutely amazing. I mean, they took me out salmon fishing on the Sound and water skiing on Lake uh, Lake Stevens all afternoon. Then in the evening, we're barbecuing these salmon that we'd caught. I, I was thinking, why haven't I moved to Seattle sooner? And then... October 1st came, and it began to rain, and rain, and rain. I picked my wife up at the airport along with my daughter. I brought them back to this home that we're staying at in Lake Stevens. And uh, we're there at dinner. I asked our hosts, so when's the storm going to blow over? <laughs> Which I learned was a very California transplant thing to say. They just laughed, and they laughed, and they said, well, how does July sound to you? <laughs> I thought they were kidding. Not so much. We didn't see the sun once the whole month of October. I'm telling you the truth. I mean, we didn't even, it didn't even peek out of the clouds. It just hid the whole time. Now that year, I found a postcard down at Pike Place Market. It was totally gray, and along the top edge of the, the card, it said, fall in Seattle. And on the right side of the, column, or the card, it said, winter in Seattle. And then on the bottom, it said, summer in Seattle. On the right side, it said, or left side, it said, spring in Seattle. Or summer, summer in Seattle. I, I think you get the point, right? Which pretty much summed up our experience uh, that year. Well, it was about that time that my wife and I started to have a pretty serious conversation about whether this was going to work for us or not. Like, uh, the church was great, we loved it, we loved the people, but cold, wet, and depressed is no way to go through life. And it just felt like we were made for more than that. You ever feel like that? Like you were made for more? Like there's something about your life that's going on and you just feel like there's got to be more than this. More joy, more meaning, more purpose. You ever felt like that? Well, we are going through this sermon series and the I Am Statements of Jesus. And in the passage today, Jesus makes his second I Am Statement in the Gospel of John. And he makes a statement during this huge festival that was going on called the Feast of Tabernacles. The festival celebrated how God had guided Israel through the desert for 40 years while they were moving away from uh, slavery in Egypt. And God led them in this pillar of fire by night, and they lived in tents for all that time, sort of like a 40-year camping trip except without s'mores. So to commemorate that, 
people built these small tents, which they lived in during the festival. And on the first day of the festival, the gates of the temple were left wide open so that everyone could see the lighting ceremony. Now, four candelabra, each about 75 feet tall, stood in this courtyard. Each candelabrum had four branches on it, and on top of each branch was a bowl which was capable of holding uh, 10 gallons of oil. Now, when they lit those things, 16 huge fireballs shot up into the air and burned all night. And the light was so bright, it was said that the porches on every home, in every home in Jerusalem were lit up. Now, it was at some point during the festival that Jesus stood there in the courtyard and with a crowd gathered around him, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever comes to me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is making this extraordinary claim. He's claiming to be everything that this festival is about. The God who led Israel through, uh, the, through the wilderness. The light that shines, not only for Israel, but for the whole world. And this light, which is the light of Jesus' life is the life that we yearn for, the life we were made for, and only Jesus, only Jesus can give it. Now, this last spring, I started mentoring a homeless man. Uh, I'd been feeling like everything that I do as a pastor, it's like, you know, it's public, it's paid for, and I, I just wanted to do something where I was volunteering that nobody knew about until now I'm telling you, you know. <laughs> so I've been meeting with this guy, and uh, it's been more like hanging out, really. We've just been talking about all sorts of stuff. You know, we talk about relationships and girls. We talk about his past. We talk about jobs. We talk about Jesus. We talk about God and the Bible. Well, last Sunday, he was baptized. He and two other men and one woman. And it was pretty emotional for me, for him, for every one of us who were there. See, this guy wanted to take this step because Jesus was changing his life. And so much good had been happening in his life. Well, another guy who was there told us that, um, that he had tried so many different times in so many different ways to get sober, but nothing had worked. And then someone shared Jesus with him, told him about Jesus. He started attending this morning Bible study. Uh, he started praying, and Jesus took away his urge to drink. Now, now he's been sober longer than in any other time in his life, and he's been drinking since he was seven years old. He's 51. Both of these guys have hope. Both of these guys have joy, and they have a community of people who love them and are committed to working with them. They've found new life, life now, life forever, the life that only Jesus only Jesus can bring that. Now, meeting with those guys, it's made my life better too. It's just been such a rich blessing for me to be able to meet and see God move in these guys' life. You see, Jesus' promise is whoever follows me will walk in the light. 
And this is an absolute game changer when we begin to understand what Jesus is promising here. Now, the literal translation of this verse from the original language is, is actually the light, the life. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But the way that this phrase is set up is it puts all the emphasis on the last word, life. And it shows that Jesus is talking about more than just living and breathing and, you know, eating and sleeping and growing up and growing old. That Jesus is talking about more than that. Bible scholar and former Whitworth professor Dale Bruner translates this verse, the light of the real life. The kind of life which is the authentic longing of every human being. It's dynamic. It's life now. It's life forever. The kind of life God has made us for. Love, joy, purpose, meaning, adventure. Now, I was in San Diego visiting my parents earlier this month. One afternoon, they offered to take me to the beach and to dinner. So how could I refuse that offer, right? Well, we typed the address of the restaurant that we wanted to go to into the Garmin GPS system that my father has. Uh, we were going to a place called Jake's Restaurant. And so we started to follow the directions. And you know how that goes. And 2.1 miles, turn left on Interstate 5. I'm not going to you know, imitate the voice. But in 500 feet, turn right for exit 17, Pacific Coast. So how can you mess up, right? But we did. We ended up at a place called Jake's Furniture Store. <laughs> Not Jake's Restaurant. I guess the garment is only as smart as the information you put into it, right? Who would have thunk that? That you actually have to put the right destination place into the thing, you know? But here, here's the point. When you enter the wrong destination, right? Then not only do you end up at Jake's uh, Furniture Store, but you end up taking all the wrong directions in order to get there. Now, what do you think I'm trying to get at? I think that a lot of us are wondering these days if there's more to our life because what we've done is plugged in the wrong destination into our garment. We live in a culture that values success and wealth, power, fame, comfort, and security. So we've plugged in th those things into our GPS system, not the real life that Jesus offers us. So the direction that we are going in, or in those directions that we're following, those are all wrong too. And they've been directions like, do whatever it takes to do what you want uh, and get, to get what you want. Or learn to overlook some things and chuck your moral compass. Or sacrifice your marriage, your family for success when success requires it. Or watch out for yourself even if it means hurting other people. See, the wrong directions can result in, or the wrong destination results in wrong directions. So wherever you are, whatever destination you find yourself headed for, Whatever directions you are following, the good news is that you can change. And you can do that today. It begins when we follow Jesus. Really follow Jesus. Not just schedule him in sometime, but make him the main thing on our agendas. And when you do that, you find deep, meaningful, joy-filled life. And you find it when you follow Jesus. So what does that mean, following Jesus? Well, let me give you a little uh, definition. 
I think following Jesus means, and it's just simple, it means doing the kinds of things that Jesus did, and it means doing them in the way that Jesus did it. Doing the kinds of things that Jesus did, and doing them in the way that Jesus did it. So first, following Jesus, it means doing the kinds of things that Jesus did. Now, Jesus came to announce God's kingdom, God's world breaking into this present world, making all things new, caring for the poor, feeding the hungry, uh, just setting people free from the bondages that they're in, telling them the good news, doing justice, serving and loving and praying for people. Those were the kinds of things that Jesus was about. Now, second, following Jesus means doing those things in the way that Jesus would do them. You see, we live in a world where success is often accomplished through power, through manipulation, through deceit, through money. But those things, they wreck us, and they wreck the relationships that we're in. A lot of bad things have been done in Jesus' name over the years by people who were trying to do what Jesus did but they were using the ways of this world rather than Jesus' ways. History is filled with all kinds of bad examples. Jesus' way is a longer strategy. It depends on God's power and not ours. Jesus' way is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, which are the fruits of the Spirit. Following Jesus means doing the kinds of things that Jesus did, and it means doing them in the way that Jesus did them. And when we do that, we find and we experience this, this real life that only Jesus can bring. Now, a friend of mine was asked by uh, the church he was going at at the time to pray for some people after the service. And he didn't want to do it. He had a lot of reasons why and excuses why he shouldn't do it. So he called him up and told him, no, I'm not going to do it. But as a week went by, the Holy Spirit just kept working on his heart and prompting him. And the closer he got to Sunday, the more that he was feeling like he was supposed to be there. Well, by Sunday morning, the prompting was so strong that he, that he had to go. So he went. But he went feeling a little grumpy. And, uh, he kept, uh, and, and so he sat down in the back of the worship space stared at the floor, kind of sent these nonverbal signs and signals that basically said, don't come to me, I don't want to pray for you. Well, this line started to form. All these people started to line up. And when he saw that line and those people sitting there waiting for prayer, his grumpy self just started to melt away. One person needed prayer for a special need, and another person needed prayer for healing, another person needed prayer for a relational issue. And by the time he was finished, he felt so full, so blessed that God would use him to pray for those people. He was filled with deep gratitude that God would use him, even though he'd started off a little bit grumpy. And he was grateful that the Holy Spirit had been prompting him all week because the Spirit knew how much this was going to bless him. You see, doing the kinds of things that Jesus did, my friend came and he prayed for people after the worship service. And doing it in Jesus' way, he acted with compassion, the compassion that God gave him, rather than with his grumpy self. And as a result, he felt a deeper joy and a richer, fuller life that blessed him so deeply.
There are so many ways that we can help bring God's kingdom here to this earth. We can comfort someone who's grieving or encourage a friend. We can forgive, offer forgiveness in a broken relationship. We can be truthful with others when everyone else isn't. We can mentor a young person or cook a meal for someone. We can welcome an immigrant family. We can go as a missionary to a place where people don't know Jesus. Or we can share the good news of the gospel with a friend who hasn't heard about Jesus. Now, it's interesting to me that there is one part of this verse that Jesus gives back to us. You know what part that is? Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and then he gives it back to us. In Matthew 5, 14, he says, you are the light of the world. Now, why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus give it to us? After he died on the cross, after he rose from the dead, why didn't Jesus just say, new heaven, new earth, done, finished, we're out of here? Why didn't he do that? Well, if he had, we would have been left out, which is really the point. God wants to share his life, this life that he has given us. God wants us to share that with as many people as we can. So we live this life, this Jesus life, in Jesus' way, loving other people, serving other people. And when we join together, each of us doing the kinds of things that Jesus did in the way that Jesus did them, then the light of this life that is in us, it shines through us in compelling ways. And the watching world joins in our song, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. God of glory, Lord of love, hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. Check this out. It's from Spain.
That's a flash mob. <laughs> you know, when you and I, each of us, lock arms together using the gifts, the talents that Jesus has given us to show his life, his love, the world around us, the watching world, is compelled to join in in this amazing song of praise that we have to sing. Jesus is, we are now, the light of the world. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this song that we have to sing, a song that you meet for the, mean for the whole world. It's a song of life. It's a song of freedom. It's a song of love and joy, real life now, real life forever. It's compelling and infectious. And Jesus, we ask you now for that life. We lay down all of our destinations. We lay down all of the directions, the bad directions we've been going in. Jesus, we just want you, and we want the life that you give. So would you help us to follow you? Would you help us to share this life with others? Would you show us who you want to share it with? And we pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen.